I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tony Kerr, the guy's an absolute... We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Watcher, and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I fully intend to be your host tonight. And with me in the studio this week is a right cheeky chappy by the name of Tony Kerr. Evening. How is it going this week, Tony? Very well, thank you. Did you enjoy that food I just brought for you? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you've done well. Can we make chips? Like a regular thing? Because, uh, uh, yeah, that's really improved my day. I just stopped off at the chippy, didn't I, on the way here? Chicken chunks and chips. Chicken uh, chicken chunks. Chicken chunks does not sound appetising, I have to say. No. So I phoned you and I read the menu to you. You basically were like, what kind of chicken have they got? So they got chicken nuggets, hot and spicy chicken, chicken chunks. You're like, chicken chunks sounds great. <laughs> sounds absolutely revolting. Yeah, fairly, fairly flavourless, but there we go. <laughs> I may as well have eaten pebbles off the beach, really, just to fill the hole. <laughs> Did not taste of anything. It's all right. It's all right. You've got to refuel, though, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's like putting lighter fluid into a Mercedes, isn't it? That's <laughs> what you've just done. You're not a Mercedes. I think that's no. I don't know. You're a can... Ford Escort at this point. No, a knackered old second-hand Ford Escort. I'm like vintage 1986 <laughs> Lamborghini Diablo. That's what I am. Spring yellow, or kind of as it is, burgundy today. <laughs> deep tan. I don't think anyone was buying deep tan cars in the 80s. If they were, you're like Noddy's car that was almost written off at one point and is now you know for sale second-hand. I think we're both just like. Two carriages on the Gatwick Transit, aren't we? <laughs> just going back and forth, doing the same old thing. Just going back and forth over the same old territory every day. Between the north and south. <laughs> just boring. Just boring, repetitive. Just boring, boring lives. Just hammering, hammering on, dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that subject, then, of our boring lives, we're back here again for another episode. Uh, I'm back in the studio this week. After two consecutive weeks where we were just around your ass. Uh, and it's great to be back. It really is. It really is. <laughs> uh, I felt, li- listening back to the, the two episodes that we did. Because you listen back to them kind of three or four times, don't you? Well, well, exactly, yeah. Just on my walk to work. Yeah, on, my work home from, on my walk home from work. In the bath. Just constantly. When I'm mowing the lawn. Just chuckling to myself. <laughs> These guys are brilliant. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I do listen back when I'm, when I'm editing. And yeah, the audio quality was a little bit better than I was expecting. And for the most part, I would say it was listenable. Except that you were making an almighty racket throughout the whole of the last episode. Like Every time I was talking, whenever I was talking, all anyone could hear was just you clattering about, just moving the mouse, clicking, typing. What were you doing over there? I was just catching up on correspondence. <laughs> just sending emails, just uploading some videos to YouTube. <laughs> 
on my YouTube channel. Just playing Theme Hospital yeah. or something. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know, well, I asked you about it the day after I recorded, and you were like, yeah, I was just, I was just bringing up scorecards. You can't have been bringing up scorecards for the entire episode. What scorecards were you bringing up? I was just up? finely tuning the stats guru on Crick Info, <laughs> trying to find that key bit of that nugget, that chicken chunk. It's a real insight, though, because, uh, you know, I, I think that you're listening to me when I'm talking, but actually you're just, what are you just on Facebook, just playing Farmville and stuff? Mm. What do you actually do? Well, just getting stuff up, aren't I? Just bringing up scorecards. Bringing up scorecards, <laughs> just on the internet. Well, there'll be a few scorecards to bring up today, Tony, uh, because we're going to be talking about a lot of cricket-type things on tonight's show. Uh, no, no, sco- <laughs> he's already typing. <laughs> <laughs> no scorecards yet uh, for the Test series between England and India because that hasn't started, but it does get underway very soon on Wednesday. In fact, the first Test commences, so we'll be unleashing our in-depth preview of that on tonight's show, and we'll also take a quick look back at New Zealand's magnificent test series win in the Caribbean. Uh, someone called us out on this last week, time for not talking about it then. I think in our defence, it actually hadn't quite finished when we were recording last week's episode, but we haven't mentioned any of the tests up until now. So that's a failing of ours, isn't it? We failed there. That's yeah, a fail. an oversight. I'm so sorry we're not perfect. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, so lots to talk about tonight. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about, my birthday. It was my birthday last week, Tone. I don't know if I mentioned it. I it was my special it. day. Was it special for you? It was really special, yeah. You sent me a text saying, <laughs> saying happy birthday. Uh, I said, it's my special day. And you said, I hope you're thoroughly spoiled. You deserve it. Which made me laugh. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Were you spoiled? Uh, yeah, I was a bit spoiled. Uh, spoiled rotten. Got some good presents. Uh, my girlfriend bought me a new tennis racket. Uh, <laughs> That's good. You haven't played tennis for about 18 months. <laughs> Does she know that? <laughs> I haven't played tennis with you for about 18 months. Also, I think she... Uh, oh, okay. Here we go. I've, <laughs> I've been playing tennis with her a bit. Oh, okay. Uh, but it made me laugh, the fact that she got me that <laughs> as a gift, because it's a classic present that you get someone with. Like, because, like for her... She doesn't have a tennis racket, so she's always borrowing one from the place <laughs> where we play. So she bought me a new one, which means she gets my old one. So it's sort of like a present for her, which I just think I love that kind of gift. That's a great, so, yeah, that's a great shout. Merry Christmas, Mum, I bought you an Xbox. <laughs> uh, Definitely guilty of doing that. Yeah, do you think I made uh, enough of enough of my birthday this year? No, and also I'm, I'm really annoyed because you, you know like Facebook sends you a notification to say, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday. Yeah, they've only started doing this recently, yeah. haven't they? Well, I don't need it. The last thing I wanted to be woken up with on Thursday morning was a notification to remind me it's your birthday. <laughs> as if I hadn't, no, you know, as if I hadn't been beaten around the head with it for about Well, you weeks. also had five text messages from me just saying, <laughs> it's my birthday, yeah. it's my birthday, it's my special day. <laughs> England. This is the part of the show where we talk about England. Now, Wednesday, Tone, Wednesday sees the start of a marquee test series between England and India. Five tests. Uh, the first one is at Trent Bridge. And the Indians are very much in town. Uh, they played a couple of warm-up games against Derbyshire and Leicestershire over the last week or so. They won against Derbyshire, drew against Leicestershire. It's all been pretty low-key so far, I think that would be fair to say. And actually, you know, I used the word marquee, a marquee test series... You know, given that these two teams are number four and five in the world and given the problems that each of them have had of late, 
I suppose an unkind way of looking at this is that it's a, a five-match contest between two mediocre teams to determine which is a little bit less mediocre. In that context, are you excited about this series, Tom? Buzzing. <laughs> Absolutely buzzing. Uh, I mean, yes, no, kind of. Yeah, of course I am. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we said during the, the Sri Lanka series that, you know, cricket was in danger of being overshadowed for once by other sports. Like the uh, World Cup. Like the World Wimbledon. Cup and stuff. Uh, and certainly the build-up to the series couldn't have flown any lower, really, under the radar than it has done. I mean, what with the Tour de France, Wimbledon, the World Cup, the British Grand Prix. Uh, My birthday. Your, your birthday. Yeah, you know, a little bit of competition. I don't think I've even heard cricket mentioned in, well, hang on, I've just made an interesting connection. Okay. Would you be on LinkedIn or something? <laughs> what, what are you doing over there? No, you know when you get like, you suddenly get like, oh, light bulb moment. Yeah, do you, maybe do you that's why. Tony, you've done it again. Andrew Strauss did what he did over the weekend. Why? Because it was, it was all part of a cunning kind of stage show, if you careful, like. To get, careful, careful. <laughs> it's all part of a cunning stage show to get cricket back on the kind of back pages. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So maybe they're a bit all, of a bit of collusion. They're all in it. You think, you think that was Sky, stunt. Sky told him that you've got to do that? I'm sure people have seen this, but uh, Andrew Strauss, uh, when he thought he was off air in the Sky commentary box called Kevin Peterson the C word, it was an advert break in... in the UK, but the broadcast was still going out in Australia, so people heard it. He's apologised. Thoughts on this, Tone? I mean, a lot of people are quite well, people are quite divided about it. Some people have just said, oh, you know, I feel really bad for Strauss. Other people, furious, because it sort of feeds into the whole Peterson debate, doesn't it? But thoughts? Mm. If he thought he was off air, is that, does that absolve him of guilt? We all thought Andrew Strauss was nice, didn't we? Turns out he's not. He's a scoundrel. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. A bit disappointed in Andrew. Yeah, it is disappointing. Because it makes him sound like an idiot. It was really surprising. Also, why would you do? Yeah, don't. It's just a really stupid thing to to, to do. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I don't think it's in and of itself disgraceful. It's very disappointing to come from Andrew Strauss. Like I, you just don't expect that. I thought he was better than that. But it's not sort of disgraceful that he would call Peters in that, and he obviously doesn't like the guy. And it, it it also makes me think, well, you know, all this stuff about Peterson and how, you know, there's no smoking gun where, as far as him being sacked is concerned, they basically just are, are trying to tell us that he's just an awful person to be around. And the fact that Alistair Cook and Andy Flower and Andrew Strauss all detest him, three very well-spoken and seemingly nice people, makes me think that, you know, maybe there's some truth in it. But anyway... Obviously, Strauss doesn't like the guy. I don't think it's disgraceful that he would call him that privately. But to do it when the microphones are there, even if you think you're at an ad break, it's just stupid. Just very, very stupid. But, you know, he'll, I don't know if Strauss will ever get over that. No, I think that's I think that's probably the end of his career. Wow. As a media man. Uh, people will forget eventually. If, 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 he, if it's just not mentioned again on Sky in like two years' time, people will forget. But it's, it's going to take a while. I don't know. I don't know what to think, really. <laughs> okay. I should have thought. I should have pre-thought these <laughs> these thoughts. Well, uh, well, anyway, so you were saying that, that you think Strauss did that deliberately? Yeah, I'm saying I think it was a, a cunning, a cunning plan to yeah to to boost cricket's profile before a big series. Well, it's certainly done that. But yeah, it is quite remarkable in a way that the Test series, a five-match Test series between England and India, gets going in you know just over 24 hours' time as we're recording this, and no one really cares at the moment. But 
you know, once the World Cup is over at the end of this week, people will start to turn their attention very much to the cricket. So possibly this first test might not get that much attention, but, you know, it's going to go on actually not that long. It's five tests in 42 days, which is pretty remarkable. There's 25 days of play, 17 days of non-play, which is ludicrous. But anyway, as it goes on into August and, and so on, it will it will become much more the focus, I think, of the, of the sporting calendar. Um, and, you know, me saying, oh, it's two mediocre teams... Etc. You know, I'm, I'm deliberately being facetious there, Tony, because you know, because I'm, I'm a character. If you're not excited about an England-India Test series, then you're probably following the wrong sport, aren't you? Mm. I mean, we know all about the problems that England have had, don't we? And, and you may have heard uh, something about an Ashes whitewash. You may have heard something about Kevin Peterson being sacked. But India have had problems of their own over the last couple of years. Uh, they haven't won any of their last 13 Test matches away from home, which includes two whitewashes in England and Australia and more recent 1-0 defeats in South Africa and New Zealand. You actually have to go back to the Caribbean Tour of 2011 since they won a test match on the road. What kind of India team are you expecting to see in this series? You know, are you expecting the cricketing superpower that they're you know, generally expected to be? Or are you anticipating a team that resembles the, the rabble, the, the disjointed rabble that, that, that lost 4-0 last time around? It's not going to be 4-0, is it, to England this time around? I'll say that. Or it could be 5-0. Sorry, five. Yeah, rather. It's going to be four nil. It's going to be five nil. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be a whitewash, is it? This time, I think we can agree on that. India will be better than that. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was that was a strange. Was a, yeah, that in, was bizarre. In, in retrospect, that was a bizarre series. But coming into it, we didn't think it would be a whitewash. No, we were expecting a really close series. So, well, yeah, who knows? I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, England are in a worse place. So, from that perspective, yeah, it will be much closer. Uh, yeah, I think I, I don't know. I, I expect it to be very, very close. Hard to call. Yeah, in one sense, you know, England are definitely in a worse place than India, but because of the home conditions, um, India not traditionally excelling in these conditions, maybe that evens it out a bit and actually should make for a very close series. As you say, you can't expect a whitewash this time or anything close to a whitewash. Clearly, this is a very different India team to the team of three years ago. Of the 11 that played at the Oval, the last match of that series three years ago, only three of them are still in the squad that's Dhoni, Gambia and Ishant Sharma. And Gambia is very unlikely to play. You know, three years is a long time in Test cricket and India are a radically different team now. England are a radically different team now. So I think it would be foolish to assume that you can make any comparisons from that 2011 series. The biggest problem that India had then, and it was the same problem that they had in the, the home series a year later, uh, was that they had a lot of superstars, a lot of kind of older superstars who were over the hill or it was the, the fact that they were over the hill was exposed in that series they, they didn't perform Tendulkar being an obvious example but also Sevag, also Harbhajan Zai Khan Latchman those guys are all gone now <coughs> sorry you okay yeah it's just that chicken not <coughs> chicken chunks come back up <laughs> that's all right I'm don't good. vomit on the, on the show <laughs> oh all right I think it's just a bit yeah how horrible would that be for the listeners if I'm just talking about India and you're sitting here? <laughs> it would not be nice. Anyway, all of those guys are gone now and they've been replaced by people like Kohli, Pajara, Rohit Sharma, who have all come in and done pretty well. And, you know, there's much more energy about this team now as a result and a lot more confidence about it too. You know, they might not have won a test in South Africa or New Zealand, but they did come mighty close on a couple of occasions. England will definitely look to test out those new batsmen with the short ball. It's one of their favourite tactics and it has worked to some extent in the past. 
And I guess in Plunkett and in Broad, they've got a couple of bowlers who can use the short ball reasonably effectively. Do you expect India to be vulnerable to that? Or you know, do you expect to see Indian batsmen hopping around all summer? Or is there a danger that England could overuse that tactic? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the short ball. I think we saw it the, the well, I mean, it did get wickets in it the other week, but against Sri Lanka, yeah, but equally just chuck it at the stumps. That's kind of my that's you know, that's what I've been doing when I've been bowling this summer. <laughs> uh, I've taken one wicket, chuck it at the stumps and watch it sail back over your head, <laughs> yeah. chuck it and fetch. It's, it's an, it is an exciting batting lineup for India, yeah. I've seen a lot, a lot of them in kind of one day cricket, but as you say, quite a fresh, fresh looking team compared with last time so yeah I think it's actually it's quite it's an exciting series from that perspective of both teams because it's still still a lot of new faces in the England team but yeah and I think the England, I think the Indian batsmen will quite enjoy it I mean it has it's been a dry summer uh, so I, I think they'll be alright I think they'll get away with it and England's bowling attack is is nothing like as good as it was three years ago either as much as some of the same names there Anderson and Broad neither of those are probably bowling as well as they were back then Bresnan was world class in that series isn't in the team anymore and Swan's gone. There are question marks over this English bowling attack for sure. And you know, as much as there is going to be some vulnerability about the Indian batsman to that short ball, I'm not sure that they're going to get rolled over. You know, someone like Suresh Reiner just very obviously didn't fancy the short ball. There was a real deficiency in his technique, and that was true of a few of the batsmen. And it has been true for some batsmen in various teams around the world. But you look at guys like Kohli and Pajara and Murali Vijay, and you don't see that kind of obvious vulnerability there they do look to have pretty robust techniques all round so you know maybe England can find a, a, a hitherto undiscovered chink in their armour but you know if they if they do intend to just run up and bowl short at Kohli and Pajara you know I'm not sure that they're going to have too much joy as you say Stuart Broad really needs to be pitching the ball up as much as possible for my money so that is a concern that I have about England and just in general I've got quite a lot of concerns about England you know, we've spoken at length about Alistair Cook and the captaincy, but his batting, you know, his batting is everything really for England. They desperately need their senior batsmen, particularly Cook, but also Bell and Pryor. They really need them to have big series because they can't be relying on those those younger guys too heavily. I mean, if, if there are some question marks about the Indian batting lineup, there are much, much bigger question marks against people like Robson and Balance and Root and Mo and Ali, who have obviously done pretty well since they've come in but you know are completely unproven at test level so you know, you've got to ask the question are England going to score enough runs this summer yeah and as you say the, the question marks that hang around the England team particularly Alistair Cook and that's probably a blessing for him that there's been so little attention on the series because uh, if sports journalists hadn't had you know a myriad of other things to write about they would probably have been writing about Alistair Cook yeah yeah you wonder kind of how he's what he's been up to for the last few weeks, how he's been going about his business. What has he been up to? Have you seen uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he needs runs and he needs he needs victories and he needs to do it in style and he needs to be a, you know, a proper captain. So there's, there's huge pressure. I like the image of Alistair the Cook sort of bumping into like a, an acquaintance or a childhood friend or something in, uh, you know, in Waitrose and then just being like, oh, you're right, Alistair, what have you been up to? <laughs> what have you been up to lately then? <laughs> But yeah, I'd, you'd say India's bowling not as good as it's batting, and you'd probably say England are pretty weak in all departments, <laughs> relatively. So uh, Cook's got a very good opportunity here to to score and have a big series, and you know he's got enough time. But equally, if it goes south pretty early on, you know he doesn't want to be getting. He's got ten chances to score runs here, and if he doesn't take any of them, he could be 
gone. Well, yeah, and if he doesn't take any of the first four, you know, he's he's really going to be in hot water. I wouldn't underestimate this Indian bowling attack either. You know, Mohammed Shami is pretty quick uh, and has done really quite well since he came into Test cricket. I think he's played about six tests, is averaging sort of 27, 28. Um, not a massive sample size, but he's looked pretty good since coming in. It's it's not the world's best bowling attack, but uh, you'd say it's at least as good as Sri Lanka's, who bowled well enough to beat England and obviously gave Cook a torrid time. So yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't underestimate this Indian attack. I I guess the the one area where they where India do have a big advantage is is in the spin department, and I, I keep droning on and on about this. Uh, and it's probably getting very boring. But England's plan of of not picking a frontline spinner, I do think, is just a, an extremely dangerous one, that, a fatally dangerous one. It didn't work against Sri Lanka. Clearly, in that that second test, it was a real problem that they didn't have a frontline spin bowler. And it's likely to be at least as, if not more, dangerous against India. I would say because, yeah, again, as with Harath for Sri Lanka, this is one area where India just are much, much better. Just very obviously better than England. Whether they go with Ashwin or whether they go with Jadeja, neither bowler is you know maybe the best spinner in the world, but they're plainly going to be more effective than nobody, which is who England have got. Yeah, that might be a little bit harsh on Moen Ali because you know they will be asking him to do some bowling, and he has taken wickets, a few wickets uh, in the couple of tests he's played, but he's not a frontline spin bowler, is he? He's just, he's just not. And as the summer goes on, you know that that is only going to get more. Uh, acute, I suppose, going to only going to get more damaging as the the pitches flatten out and you know becomes more about spin bowling, and that could be where this series is won and won and lost because there's not all that much between these teams, I don't think. But that is one one area where there's a lot between the teams. It does make you wonder. We often say you often say often the series difference is going to be the spinner. Why don't teams just pick five frontline spinners? <laughs> uh, you know. Well, because well, then it would be too one dimensional the other way. Yeah. Or maybe more of a balance of spinners, and, and we always kind of see one spinner. But but if you have, I mean, some in well, some conditions you pick two spinners, uh, but but you, you never want more than two because well, no, but you they're, they're, the spinners just bowl a lot more overs. They can bowl a lot more overs off the reel. So if you had three spinners, one of them wouldn't be doing much bowling. If you had five, there just wouldn't be need for five. As apart from anything else that makes it a bonkers idea, <laughs> you just don't actually need that many. Right. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> 20 years time. Do you want a composite 11? Yeah, I'd love one. <laughs> You'd love one? You seem really keen. <laughs> uh, it's an early birthday present for you, this. Very, very difficult to pick, I'll be honest. I actually, uh, just at the end of my birthday, you know, it, w- it was a good day, my birthday, but, you know, just towards the end, I was getting more and more anxious as I uh, started to worry about who I was going to put in this composite 11. Um, <laughs> yeah, deadline day. <laughs> The deadline was kind of looming then, wasn't it, really? It was a, a mere four days away. Uh, and, yeah, I was really beginning to sweat. The opening batsman that I've selected, you might laugh, Alistair Cook uh, and Murali Vijay. Then I've got Chiteshwar Pajar at number three. Uh, and then Ian Bell and Virat Kohli running up. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Middle order. I've given Emma Stoney the gloves and I'm batting him at six because I actually think both teams are probably going to play five bowlers. So my five bowlers are uh, Ravi Jadeja as an all rounder, then four seamers Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, Mohamed Shami, and Liam Plunkett. Now I can tell you that there are five England players there and six Indians. What do you think to that, Tone? I think you've yeah, probably got the balance right. Are there any names that you're immediately thinking, you know, how is he not in there? There might not be a lot to choose between, say, Cook with no form and Shikhar Dewan with not a lot of test pedigree, I suppose. But you've got to imagine better form than Cook. But it's, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? The parameters of the, or kind of the qualification for this composite 11, you know, I guess what you're saying is if these, you know, 30 cricketers turned up tomorrow wanting a game, which 11 would you pick? Yeah, that's, 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 that's exactly what it is. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, he probably would still give Cook the benefit of the doubt. But not, yeah, not for much longer. But yeah, he, he's probably in the team, isn't he? Yeah, he I, I still want so. him. Yeah, I think he, he, he's got him in the team. So that's that's what I've gone with. After all that then, Tone, after what we've discussed and uh, hearing my composite 11 then, what's going to happen? What's your prediction? Your series scoreline? Uh, this is really difficult. It is actually, isn't it? It's one of the most difficult series to call that I think we've talked about I think possibly in the history of the World Cricket Show uh, it'll probably end up a whitewash now one way or the other I'm going to say 2-1 England wow still confident still confident you still believe I still believe we still believe that's what I'm going to say what are you going for? <laughs> you're, really, you're really having a hard time yeah, that, was really, that was really tough <laughs> your head was in your hands there was a moment where I just thought, like, if I got that right, I don't know. Well, let me just see what the odds are. You look like you we've got this work experience kid at work <laughs> this week. Uh, he's just started today. And uh, I've never seen a human being look more bored than him. <laughs> today. I walked past him. He was just sat at the desk. Nothing to do. Just like this. Head in his hands. <laughs> oh. What did he give him something to do? Well, he's got nothing to do. This is the problem with work experience. I remember this from doing work experience. You can't do any work because you haven't had the training. And they're not going to give you the training because <laughs> you've only no got point. a week. So there's nothing to do. Just have a look at these odds. Just make people tea and stuff. Well, interestingly enough, 2-1 England is the favourite. That's the, the shortest odds you'll get on 2-1 England. So. Mm. Interesting. I'm actually going to go 2-1 to India. It's you quite... still don't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I've never believed. <laughs> we don't believe. <laughs> it's quite rare for me to back against England particularly over the last few years when they've been so consistently good up until recent times. And I suppose, you know, maybe bold to imagine India will win two games given their track record overseas in the last couple of years. But just looking at the two teams on paper, you know, even with uh, English conditions throwing a spanner in the works, I do think India look a stronger team at the moment, particularly given what happened to England against Sri Lanka. But yeah, it's it's kind of impossible to call. I mean, more or less anything could happen in this series and I wouldn't be that surprised. Even if it was a whitewash one way or the other, I wouldn't be that surprised. <laughs> and that is good. That's good news for us, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Exciting. 
Do you think the first test is particularly massive? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. Well, it was Nottingham, aren't we? So. Well, it's very similar to the Ashes last year. Yeah. And all anyone was saying was the first test is going to be so crucial. Uh, I mean, if England can't win in Nottingham, then they've got problems. I suppose, yeah, that's given true. Given their track record there. So uh, the fact that the five tests are so tightly bunched probably exacerbates this whole anything can happen meant feeling because anything can happen <laughs> and probably will. And it, well, yeah. Yeah, the because mom- one team gets the momentum could run away very quickly. The momentumometer just swings one way and then, you know, it's hard to swing it back again. We need to get Danny Morrison on the show. Around the world. This is the part of the show where we talk about things that are happening around the world. Now, Tony, do you want to go to the Caribbean? Gladly. Not in real life, just in <laughs> our minds as we talk about it. Uh, because New Zealand are there at the moment. They actually played a T20 yesterday. You just showed me Trent Bolt's catch on YouTube. What is your name for that kind of catch? Well, he was it Pollard hits it and it's sailing over the fence and Bolt kind of catches it just inside the rope he's about to step over so he throws it up but then he has to we've dive for it again yeah we've seen it done before you know it's becoming a bit common it's a bit passe now this kind of catch uh but i guess what's so <sighs> astonishing about this one yeah so astonishing about this one is that it's a it's a it's a virtually impossible take to begin with anyway because he just sticks a pour out plucks it out the air one-handed behind his head stumbling backwards lobs it up in the air as you say uh but then to get his body back into position he has to kind of do, does leaps back into play but uh like his body twists at the same time and he, and he holds it again yeah it's two catches isn't it it's two it's amazing two unbelievable catches, catches in yeah. one catch yeah yeah one of the best catches i've ever seen i would say quite an athlete trent bolt uh, and he's had a, a really good caribbean tour because uh, he was uh, very impressive in the test series uh, which came to an end last week uh, and new zealand won it tone there's a three test series the first test uh, was in Jamaica, uh, and it was a massive win for New Zealand. They racked up 508 for seven declared in the first innings with hundreds for Kane Williamson and Jimmy Neesham. Uh, West Indies were then skittled out for 262. Uh, New Zealand declared on 156 for eight to set West Indies 403, uh, and they never got anywhere close. They were 216 all out. The second test was in Trinidad. And West Indies actually bounced back quite impressively there. They bowled New Zealand out for 221. Jerome Taylor taking four for 34. And the home side then posted 460 with hundreds for Craig Brathwaite and Darren Bravo. And then they bowled New Zealand out for a second time for 331 with four wickets for Kemar Roach and got to their target of 93 with all 10 wickets in hand. So there was a decider in Barbados. A really exciting game. Uh, New Zealand made 293. That seemed like an underpass score, but West Indies couldn't go that far past it. They were 317 all out. Uh, Neil Wagner back in the side took four for 64. Gotta love Neil Wagner. (laughs) Uh, New Zealand then uh, did well in the third innings of the game. Kane Williamson with a quite brilliant 161. Not out. They declared on 3-3-1 for seven, uh, and they actually declared overnight on the fourth evening, which is a a slightly bold declaration. West Indies needed 308, so it was doable on the final day. Uh, but New Zealand needed to give themselves time to take all 10 wickets. And they did that in 82.2 overs. West Indies 254 all out. Three wickets for Trent Bolt, Tim Salvey and Mark Craig. So New Zealand won the series 2-1. A rare victory 
on the road for the Kiwis. Their first series win against a top eight nation away from home since 2002. Which is quite a surprising statistic, I think, because they haven't always been a bad test side in that time. But they've just not been able to win away. Yeah, New Zealand looked pretty good. An exciting team. Well, there's an argument that this team sounded like Mark Lawrence then. <laughs> well, arguably, Gary, <laughs> arguably. Uh, there, there's an argument that this team is as good as any that New Zealand have had in the 21st century. I mean, you know, in, in the last year, they've given England a scare, both at home and away. Uh, they beat India at home, and now they've won in the Caribbean. You know, maybe none of those things on their own are that extraordinary, but taken together, that that's that's pretty good progress that they've made. Yeah, and I think that the, there's some exciting players that team, very young team, lots of potential. So I think New Zealand, yeah, they're onto a winner here. Jimmy Neesham, quality. Came in and Kane, got 100. Yeah, Kane Williamson's been fantastic for for a little while now, hasn't he? Uh, and then they've got a good bowling attack too. So, and then of course, yeah, with Brendan McCullum, Taylor, that's a good lineup. It is actually, isn't it? And you know, like you say, the bowling attack is is really exciting, and that that kind of uh, opening partnership of Tim Southey and Trent Bolt is formidable, and it is one of the most formidable new ball partnerships in the world. Uh, you mentioned McCullum; he is very much the face of this team. Uh, received a lot of praise for the the declaration that he made in Barbados. As I say, it was on the fourth evening he sort of declared overnight and people thought that was quite bold you know maybe he could have sat back tried to build the total a little bit more on the fifth morning to to make the game safe because you know there was a risk that they'd lose the series uh, if Westerny's chased it down so he's got a lot of praise for that it fits in very much to this perception of him as a, a dynamic captain a captain who makes things happen you know is is he a a big reason for New Zealand's success do you think Mm, yeah, I mean, well, didn't get any runs in this series, did he? Yeah, that's that's true. Actually, it's quite interesting when you compare him with Alistair Cook because, yeah, he, he scored eighty-seven runs in three tests, but he's still come out of this series looking pretty good because New Zealand won. Yeah. And and that's what we were saying for for Cook. You can either not score any runs or not win any test matches, uh, but if you do both, then you're in big trouble. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, Cook, the, the Cook's major issue is that he's doing nothing right at the moment. But uh, <laughs> That's the one problem. <laughs> that's the kind of one thing he's getting wrong here. What the shame for Cook really is that you know, he should be able to get the captaincy right. Maybe I'm downplaying the kind of difficulty of, of captaincy. He's the man in the middle. He's got to make the decisions. And, you know, yeah, it's all well and good being kind of bold and, and making courageous decisions. But when they don't come off, you look like a bit of a prat. Uh, but, yeah, should be, he should be going for it, really. But then... You know, you look at Brendan McCullum, the person, and then comparing to Alistair Cook, the person, you know, clearly, you know, their batting styles kind of tell you really what you need to know. You know, both phenomenal batsmen in their own way, but, you know, Different. why should we expect Cook to be a kind of buccaneering, aggressive captain when he totally isn't that as a batsman? Like you say... We've come back on to Alistair Cook. <laughs> We're always coming back Growing on. pressure. But, but like you say, for McCullum, you know, he made this uh, pretty bold move to declare and it paid off. So he looks like a genius. Uh, and everyone says, oh, well done, Brendan. You know, such uh, forward-thinking, dynamic captaincy. But if West Indies had chased down the target, you know, they'd be saying, well, what an idiot for letting slip, a, you know, a, a drawn series overseas, which doesn't happen to New Zealand very often either. So, yeah, it, it, it was a big gamble and it paid off. Those are... <laughs> The margins, aren't they? And like, I mean, you you have said last week and you said this week that maybe captaincy isn't as, as isn't actually that difficult, or, or at least that it's not as important as perhaps people think it is. And, and I think there's an element, an element of truth in that. It's easy to overstate the importance of captaincy because 
there is a truism that a captain is only as good as his bowlers. Clearly, that that truism is, has got a lot of truth in it because if you haven't got the bowlers to back up what you're doing in the field, then then it, it's all pointless, isn't it? So maybe captaincy is only sort of 3 to 5% of the game. But actually, between two evenly matched sides, 3 to 5% can make all the difference. Yeah, if you're Bangladesh and you're playing South Africa, even if you've got the best captain in history, that's not going to make any difference to the outcome. But if it's New Zealand and the West Indies, if you've got Brendan McCullum, he's making uh, bold and brilliant tactical decisions, then that, that could be one of the big reasons why New Zealand won. It kind of seems a bit... It makes me sound like a bit of a philistine, I think, to question the importance of a cricket captain because, well, you know, there's a book called The Art of Captaincy and all this kind of jazz, you know. People like to think that cricket captains are crucial, but they are, the captain is, is out there and is, you know, the person on the pitch making decisions. And I'm sure maybe 30 years ago, it, it was a very different role. Now, you know, the, presumably the England team is walking out onto the pitch uh, with plans for every single batsman they're coming up against fielding plans where the bowlers are going to bowl to them you know they work so closely with the coach they're really they're, you know, they're not out so in, in that sense Cook shouldn't take all of the criticism uh, because you know he's not going out onto the pitch doing his own thing he's going out onto the pitch and implementing team plans and uh, you know in the kind of the mentality and, and approach of the, the England team but then that's one of the criticism, criticisms of Cook is that he's just implementing team plans well, and not yeah, exactly. well, reacting yeah. maybe, to events as they unfold. But yeah, so exactly. So the whole the whole setup really should should take a bit of stick for for that. We're definitely talking about Cook again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we tried to talk about New Zealand. Someone called us out for not talking <laughs> about New Zealand and just talking about England, and you know, they've got egg on their face now, haven't they? <laughs> Much like Tony's relationship with Lorraine Chase, this episode of The World Cricket Show has been startlingly steamy right from the beginning, so it's probably about time that we put a stop to it before everyone gets much too hot under the collar. You and Lorraine, Toad. You and Lorraine Chase. You and Loza. Me and Loza. We, we touched on this last week uh, when we talked about you going to Herm to play a charity cricket match, uh, and Lorraine Chase was there, she was playing, uh, but you had to do a few interviews for work, you work on the radio. Surprisingly. Uh, do, do, do a few interviews for work. And, Which will uh, come as a massive surprise to most of the people who listen to this. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you interviewed Lorraine Chase, and you were saying that people made fun of you because it was a bit flirty. Wasn't quite sure what to expect, but uh, you sent me the clip now, and boy, I don't know if I actually want to put it in. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not that it's, bad. It's a family show, this. It was one way, you know. <laughs> it was one-way traffic. I was just trying to get the interview over. I was like, Christ, I'm going to end up doing something I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Well, I don't know. I'll leave that to your, <laughs> leave that to your imagination. I don't even know what that means. Well, Tony, may I ask you, what's it been like today? You've been here, you've um, batted already. Pretty unspectacularly. No, no. We had a little bit of a, a practice beforehand, didn't we? With some great tips from you, I, I, yeah, I managed to <laughs> make a bit of contact on the ball. You did, and it's a wonderful day. We have a day that is just... We could be in South Africa, we could be in the south of France. We have the most beautiful weather as you can hear behind the most amazing group of people and it is just a wonderful day and it's been a joy meeting you if i might say so very nice you to meet are you too lovely <laughs> you didn't tell i didn't realize it didn't work out that she's the the luton airport woman i don't know what that means <laughs> 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 i've been to luton airport 
She's that Campari ad that she was in. Oh yeah, it's yeah. the one. It's the really famous one where he says something like, "Have you just what is it?" He says, "Ah, oh, it's it's like have you just come in from heaven or something?" And she goes, "Nah, Luton Airport." Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, that's all. That is her career as well. <laughs> yeah, I know it actually is her career. Yeah. But she was in uh, "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here." Yep. Have you enjoyed yourself tonight? Then I've had fun. I've had fun. What's your banter for the rest of the week? Banter. Uh, well, I'm a bit tired tonight. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed. That's right. You've had a long day, to be fair. And that um, is, that's actually me being serious. I've had a long day. And I've been in uh, Sark, the island of Sark this weekend for the Folk Festival. Highly recommended if you're ever travelling through. It's been a tough couple of weeks, mate. Been to two paradise islands. But it was a long weekend of kind of camping and partying and folk music. Did you camp two nights? Uh, I camped the first night and then I crashed, uh, went to an after party, folk after party on Saturday night. And then I ended up sleeping for about two hours in a log cabin. Just fun. <laughs> a folk after party. It was good. Very good after party. With with which band? Uh, the Ukuladies. Okay. Yeah. It was really funny because we went, uh, basically, so in Sark, uh, a friend of mine lives in a house. Basically, Sark's a very small island. Uh, about 500 people, no cars, cheap booze. Unbelievable. It's really, it's quite lovely. And this folk festival. Anyway, I can't emphasise this enough. The booze is cheap. The booze is cheap. <laughs> uh, and the, the kind of fe- the folk festival is like a recent, it's been going about five years, very popular now. Uh, really good, some really good high quality folk. Some good bands as well. <laughs> this is like a pitchfork review. This, yeah, is it? I don't know. It's really yeah. good. Uh, it's really good. Anyway, it's good bands. It's good. It's good. It's great. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so my friend lives in a house right next door to uh, the, where the, the site, the festival site, which is great. So we popped, popped back there and he's like, yeah, I have a few people over, uh, you know, when the final band finished. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Okay, I've invited a couple of people back. And as I was kind of climbing, he went on ahead and I was just climbing over the fence into his garden. I looked back and there were about 30 or 40 people <laughs> following me. And I was like, oh, Christ, like, this has got massively out of hand. As you can imagine, like, the kind of rumours had spread. Uh, so we it's got like the back. life of Brian. <laughs> just all your disciples yeah. following you around. So we went to this log cabin. He's got this log cabin. Yeah, I went into it, and his, his, his parents live in the house. Uh, his dad like, kind of kind of approached me, looking a bit concerned, like he was about to ask us to leave. I was like, oh, no, it's fine. The ukuladies are coming back, who are like a nine-piece ukulele band <laughs> from Guernsey. Uh, and he was like, oh, the ukuladies. And he's like, ran up, came back like 30 seconds later with the harmonica. He's like, I love the ukuladies. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was fine. The rest of it, he just sat there and played harmonica for about four or five hours while the party went on and the kind of ukuladies did their business. Was he trying to impress them with this harmonica? Yeah, I think so. It was very, it was quite funny. Uh, well, I'm off to Paris on Friday, Tone. Very the nice. Uh, I'm going on the Eurostar. And did you see today? Oh, broken down. It broke down in the tunnel. Good luck. That's pretty much my worst nightmare, I think. <laughs> we trapped in a tunnel under the English Channel. Oh, God. So basically, you've waited for the Test Series of India to get started, then you're going off to France. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So am I going to be expected to watch all the cricket? Over the yeah, weekend? you're going to have to, I think. Okay, cool. I'm going to keep tabs on it uh, when I'm at Disneyland. <laughs> 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 uh, and I'll obviously watch all the highlights when we get back. We'll be back uh, next week. I'll probably have a lot of stories about Disneyland, I should imagine. Uh, but between now and then, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. You can send us an email. That's worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Leave a review on iTunes if you've got uh, a couple of minutes where you're not sure what else you're going to do. Uh, <clears throat> we really appreciate all of those. And you can follow us on Twitter as well. The show account is at cricket show. I'm at Adam Bayfield 12 
Uh, and Tony is at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V double R. Uh, and follow me on Instagram. Yes, it's Adam Bayfield. And follow Tony, High Rise Underground. <laughs> yeah, what have you mean? Let's just have a look at uh, we'll daily, weekly <laughs> update like of what you. Every week. I'm what not sure I've posted anything. Let's have a quick look. Since last week. Quick look. Instagram.com forward slash. This is. Oh no, yes, it's Adam Bayfield. This is Adam Bayfield. <laughs> yes, it's Adam Bayfield. No, you've not. Have you, not, have you been to the beach this week? Uh, no, I haven't. Well, that's why you might I've maybe been once, but I uh, didn't take any pictures. It's nice. Uh, a few followers. I'm ready to go to and I'm putting my shoes on, but I've only gone and put them on the wrong feet. I've not done that since I was about five, I think. Got my shoes on the wrong way around. What a plonker, hey? If you want. Me, I'm me- mad, me. You're absolutely mental, mate. Mental. If I want what? Uh... Just thinking, I haven't really checked Twitter this weekend, but I see Bradley Cooper was at Wimbledon. Because <laughs> I, I saw, only saw the fifth set, and uh, oh, you didn't they, see Brad. They didn't cut to Brad in that. Maybe he'd left. I think throughout pretty much the entirety of the fourth set, after every point, it was just cutting to Bradley Cooper. And I'm like, I wonder what he makes of this. I would have gone absolutely mental. <laughs> For God's sake! When I'm a really big kind of movie actor, yeah, I'm going to demand that no one cuts to me in the crowd because <laughs> no, I don't want people to, to have, put up with me. I, I can't see that happening. You becoming what? famous. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, let's get out of here, Tony. It's, uh, it's 10 to 10. Uh, time to go, I think. Uh, but we'll see everyone next week, right? Yep. Bye for now. Cheery. hospital again yeah bloaty head (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you basically like what kind of chicken have they got they've got chicken nuggets the hot and spicy chicken chicken chunks you know chicken chunks sounds great (laughs) sounds absolutely revolting yeah fairly fairly flavorless but there we go (laughs) something in my belly no i cut that (laughs) no i cut that cut it well (laughs) 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 Um. mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market